Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and welcome to this conversation with Elena Rossi. Elena describes herself as a female libido specialist, And this has been a very rich and thought-provoking conversation, so you're in for a treat. If you're curious about what's happened to your libido or your desire for sex, if you're curious as to what's possible for your sex life and how to create a sex life worth wanting, then this is for you. We also talked about lots of other topics, including the importance of emotional safety, how the women Elena works with are feeling disillusioned about hookups and dating, And we talked about how sex will evolve over the next decade and how to find the farmer's market in your bedroom. So I'd love to hear what this conversation inspires in you. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode. And I am delighted and excited to be joined today by Elena Rossi. Welcome, Elena. Thank you, Sarah. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's an honor to have you. So thank you for making time for this conversation. I'm really looking forward to the themes and the avenues we're going to explore and so I'd love to start with inviting you to tell my listeners who you are and what you do in this world. So my name is Elena Rossi and I work as a female libido specialist. Um, My intention in this life is to help women understand their sexuality because I see a lot of it um, being so misinterpreted and confused in the modern world. And more and more women are suffering secretly in their sex lives. So my goal is to help understand. My goal is to help heal. And my goal is to help create a nurturing love life for women. So this is what I do. I've been doing this for almost a decade now. Um, I also work as a somatic body worker. I write. I love writing. I'm finishing my second book right now. And I run private coaching sessions. So very busy. But I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. And how did you get into this field and this work? So it's um it's a long story and I've told it so many times. I'm always trying to compress it into a shorter one uh, every time people ask me, but I've been walking the path of the wounded healer archetype my whole life. Um I grew up in the Soviet Union and the way I was brought up in terms of my sexuality was that my sexuality belonged to men. It belonged to my future husband. And um, it wasn't about pleasure. It wasn't about connection. It was about keeping the husband loyal and you have to give him what he wants. And so when I started being sexual during my um, college years, that's how I was in the bedroom. It was all for the boyfriend. So I pretended to be the sexiest, hottest porn star every time. I had zero boundaries. I had zero self-respect. There was no connection. And my boyfriend and I were mimicking pornography, except it was pleasurable for him. And it was incredibly painful for me. And 
at some point, six, eight months into the relationship, I started getting chronic yeast infections, which then developed into chronic yoni pain and took me for a seven year ride looking for healing. So for seven years of my life, I was impotent. I couldn't have sex. I was in chronic pain. I couldn't ride a bicycle. It was hard to do yoga. It was hard to sit. And I went through doctor to doctor, therapist to therapist, trying to understand what the fuck is going on with my body. I've been severely misdiagnosed. I've been mistreated by the medical community and no one could help me. I've been given pills and creams and new doctors offered surgeries. I've been told it's all in my head. I've been told it's an autoimmune disorder. I've been told that I just need to relax. Um, I live in Amsterdam. I had a Dutch doctor tell me I just need to smoke some weed. I had a Russian gynecologist tell me that it always hurts. It's supposed to hurt. And it's my duty as a wife to just please my husband. I've had a gynecologist tell me I just need to drink some champagne to make the pain less. And five years into this back and forth, back and forth, and the pain not going away, I decided to go a different route. I went into alternative medicine and I discovered lovemaking, tantra, conscious sex, self-love, healing, psychedelic therapy, body work. And slowly, slowly, my body began to heal and I began to awaken. And I promised myself that I want to protect all the women in the world from this ever happening to them. Because in my journey, I realized there's so many women in the world who are secretly suffering for decades, right? Living with chronic pain that we are so deeply embarrassed about, right? We may talk about, I have a neck pain, I have, I don't know, cancer, but no one talks about the fact that I can't have sex and I'm married and my husband and I haven't touched each other in years. So it's my personal story that really fuels the work that I do and um, I think I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. I say the day that I'm out of the job will be a happy one, but I don't <laughs> imagine it happening in this lifetime. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing. I've literally got tears in my eyes hearing that story, Eleanor, because it's a story of so many women. Yeah. And, you know, so many women either give up think there's something up with them think that's their lot that you know that's the, what the doctors said they just have to put up with it all sorts of different things so I just really have such respect for you and your how you articulate what you're doing and your mission because your your mission is just so needed in the world and it's the story of you know so 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 many women and so thank you for bringing it yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say it's, we're all confused, men and women, everybody is confused. We don't get proper sex education. And the limited education that we get is a banana and a condom and a scare story about STDs. No one talks about purpose of sex in your life, the meaning of sex. No one talks about lovemaking. No one talks about connection. I always jokingly call myself the grandma of sex industry because I feel like I'm the only person there talking about connection, talking about love, right? Right now, the modern trend is go fuck around, be promiscuous, buy a bunch of toys, buy a bunch of lubricant, fuck a bunch of strangers. And these are the women that end up my clients because they come to me with what they call a broken libido, numb vaginas, lack of connection with a partner, sudden loss of sexual desire. 
and I'm making those connections with what we're taught, how we behave, and then the results that we're carrying. Yeah. And everybody blames themselves. We think that we are broken somehow because we're not acting like porn stars or because when we do act like porn stars, we're not feeling the pleasure that apparently the porn stars feel in all the films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I like that you bring in as well, you know, that everybody's confused. It's not just women. <laughs> There's so much um, misunderstanding of, 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 of how sex and intimacy can be. So, so you work with women, mm -hmm. yeah? And so you mentioned some of the reasons um, women come to see you. And so you, you, and you call yourself a female libido specialist. I'd love mm -hmm. you to share what, you, what that means for you. So when I first started doing this work 10 years ago, it was about um, human sexuality, but human sexuality is such a broad umbrella terminology. I mean, there's there's child sexuality, teenage sexuality, there's postmenopausal sexuality, there's gender studies, there's sexual orientation, there's kink, there's lovemaking, there's conscious sex, there's tantra, there's so many things. And pro probably because of my personal story, and also just because of my passion, I really decided to follow into a certain niche, which is female libido, and become absolute best and knowledgeable in this subject, and become clear on who my clients are and who are the people that I'm doing this work for. Because it's impossible to please everybody, right? It's impossible to work with everybody. And for me, it's important to be incredibly knowledgeable on one specific subject. And so I know that in about five years, I will be expanding my knowledge into uh, postmenopausal sexuality. I am right now informed about it, but I wouldn't call myself an expert on it. But I think that I will forever stay working with um, female clients. This is just something that's really close to my heart. And um, so when you say libido, what do you mean by libido? Good question. <laughs> so when people come to me and they say, you know, I have a crappy sex life or I'm not enjoying sex or how can I have better sex? What people really want is not more sex or better sex. What people want is the desire for sex and the joy or the enjoyment of it. Because if you and I are husband and wife, we can go and have sex right now, but is it going to be pleasurable? Is it going to be enjoyable? Is it something that we actually wanted? Is it something that we will be looking forward to again? So what I really help women understand is how to identify what is the sex that's worthy of wanting, what kind of sex gives them pleasure, and what kind of sex gives them meaning in their life, right? There is this mass obsession with pleasure and orgasms. I dive a little bit deeper into the purpose and meaning of sex in our lives, mm. because pleasure is just one aspect of sexuality. It's a physical sensation. But Quite frank, frankly, we don't even need each other for the physical sensations anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. And so when you say, you know, a lot of people would use the term desire um, and, and libido and they can be used interchangeably. How do you see them as distinct? I would say libido is also an expression of our eroticism, right? Sex, I would say, is a physical experience. Um, of sexuality, eroticism is the mental and the emotional, perhaps also the spiritual expression 
of who we are. And our eroticism is deeply unique to who we are. It's our sexual personality. So what many people are looking for is the freedom and the safety to express their eroticism. Mm. And of course, it's much easier to express it when you're by yourself at home, <laughs> but it becomes incredibly vulnerable and terrifying to express it to somebody else, let alone somebody else that you really like and you want them to like you. And that's where a lot of the problems lie is we are scared. We're terrified. We're afraid of abandonment. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of being laughed at. We are afraid of not being good enough in the bedroom. And so all of those fears and insecurities keep us stagnant and locked up in many ways. Yeah. Or they turn into control and manipulation. Yeah. So you've mentioned some of the reasons why women might come to see you. Is there any more that you haven't sort of mentioned? Some of the common themes that you see? So one of the most common themes is the what people describe as the loss of desire or loss of libido in long-term relationships. Um, another problem is struggling to orgasm. That's a very common one. Um, another problem is women who are just struggling to even express themselves in the bedroom. They get frozen or um, too scared to even make the first step. And a very common one as well is women who find themselves in relationships with partners, primarily male partners, who want sex all the time. And the women are feeling broken, like something is wrong with them because they don't want it. And so they're seeking support to try to understand what is going on in that dynamic in the relationship. Of why is it that my husband is always horny all day, every day, he needs an orgasm before he goes to bed? And what is wrong with me for not wanting the same thing as him? Hmm. So if you have a woman listening in that situation or a man listening in that dynamic, what would you share? What wisdom would you share with them? Oof. Well, first, I'd want to have a, a proper session and ask about a hundred different questions. <laughs> <laughs> because one thing that people need to realize, there's no one answer, or one advice that fits everybody because our sexuality is so deeply unique. So I would need to have a conversation with a woman to really understand what's going on. Um, is there patterns in her sexual relationships? Is, um, what's her sexual history? What's her sexual desire? What's the relationship like? What does she feel like in this relationship? How do dynamics play out? And only then I'm able to really guide her in the right direction. So there's no one answer for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Right. Sometimes um, when you start a sexual relationship, you know, a lot of people tap into their childhood trauma in their sexuality. A lot of people are feeling stressed. A lot of people are just uneducated. They don't know how their body operates. Some people are in emotionally abusive relationships or they're in relationships with orgasm and sex addicts. And so, and they don't know this. So I have plenty of women who are in relationship with men who use orgasm as a stress relief and are exhausting their wives with this need. It's their addiction, it's their dependency, but they're making the wife feel bad because she doesn't have it. But you cannot know this until you really talk to a woman, until you really understand what's, what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. 
So there's so many things as you shared that affects yeah. um, uh, a, a, a woman's experience of her libido. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to libido, what, what do you feel, because you've got um, the, the two different types of libido that Emily Nagowski talks about in her mm -hmm. book, Responsive and Spontaneous Desire. Is that something that you um, prescribe to? How do you view, uh, what's, if we look at how we learn how libido should be in our culture, Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously very limited through the lens of being horny pretty mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. what would be a for you what is for you a healthy way of looking at how libido can be so I wish I could draw a chart for you right now um, <laughs> this is coming up in my in my online course actually um, I make the connection to emotional safety so if a woman, and we'll talk about women because this is my expertise, right? But it works the same for men. If you feel emotionally safe to be yourself as you are, and you create that safety for yourself and your partner creates that safety for you, and you take care of your body and you take care of your mind and your mental health, then your libido will be blossoming. So we have to look at, I call it the the erotic trio, there is your mind, there's your heart, and then there's your body. And everybody struggles in a different place. For example, some people really struggle with the body, perhaps they have autoimmune disease, perhaps their body is overfed or underslept, or they don't have, or their body is in stress. Uh, for example, you are pregnant or you just gave birth, your body's going through a very stressful period in your life. It's only natural to not expect your body to be horny all the time when you're breastfeeding a child, when you're underslept, right? When you don't even have time to take a bath. Then we have to look at a woman's mind. What's going on in the mind? What are the thought processes that are happening inside? What does she think about sex? What does she think about her partner? What are her expectations on what good sex is like? What is her expectations on herself on what a good lover is and then the big thing is we have to look at the heart and that goes into really the core woundsing of am i good enough what is my self-worth and emotional connection to yourself and emotional connection to your partner and so these are the three places i work in uh, with my clients to understand what are kind of the missing pieces or where we need to be um, paying more attention where can you be more kind and compassionate to yourself where can you do a little bit of healing where can you give yourself some space or where you can give yourself some grace mm. but the biggest missing link for a lot of people is the heart right we've really diminished sexuality to physical sensations and dirty fantasies right this is the modern agenda as as i see it it's highly pornographic it's very visual um and so you have women who are in relationships where they just don't feel safe. They don't feel nurtured. They don't feel seen. They don't feel accepted. And so that turns into them performing in the bedroom and not being themselves. Mm. And when you are performing in the bedroom, when you're trying to be a sexy porn star, it turns into work. I don't know if you can relate to that because I, I know I've yeah, done yeah. that all through my 20s. Oh, absolutely. Same here. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> 
And so, also, no, I was going to say, and of course it seems fun and easy at the beginning of the relationship because the novelty period is really fueled by the novelty experience. Everything is new. So it holds a lot of potential, but you do get tired. Your libido gets tired of performing. And so that's why it starts to fade over time. And it starts to fade for men too. And also we don't have, um, you sort of say about how for a woman to be herself in the bedroom, mm -hmm. there is nothing out there that we can measure or understand against. There's no yeah. reference points, is there? So we can see the hot, fast sex everywhere, yeah. but there's no reference for understanding what it might be like to be ourselves. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's like an unknown map <laughs> that we yeah. don't have any guidance or anyone to hold our hands with. And we're so goal oriented, right? It's like, it's all about the orgasm. It's all about, and now it's no longer just about the orgasm. You now have to have 10 kinds of orgasms and you need to be squirting all over the walls and you need to be doing it fast. You know, I have so many women start our session together saying, I have a really trouble orgasming. It takes me forever. And I say, how long? And they go five minutes. And I think to myself, like last night, it took me, I don't know, 35, 45. <laughs> And when I say that to women, they look at me like I'm supposed to be orgasming, you know, with one click. And I say, that's not how a healthy sexuality works. But we don't know because all we see, unfortunately, is porn, right? For many people, this is the sole sexual education. Our mothers don't talk to us about sexuality. Our grandmothers don't talk. Our aunties don't talk. So we don't know what a healthy sexual experience is. And sometimes I feel like a broken record player where I say, it's okay if it takes you more than five minutes. I'd call five minutes really fast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you feel? Um, what do you feel are the ingredients for healthy sexuality? What's important? Emotional safety. Mm-hmm. So the safety to be yourself. And a lot of people don't realize that they're not being themselves in the bedroom, or I mean, really in life, right? We, we constantly wear these masks. Um, I would give an example of women often rush themselves to become aroused, right? That your partner really wants to get inside, so to say. And let's say you're not aroused enough yet, or you're not wet enough, or you're just not there yet. And instead of taking your time and saying, babe, I need more time, you force yourself, right? You start playing dirty fantasies in your head. You put on lubricant, you spit on your hand, you start masturbating yourself just to become aroused faster so that he can go in. So that's a part where you are abandoning yourself and you're not working in alignment with your body and your sexuality. You're working in alignment with your partner's needs or in alignment with what you saw in pornography where a guy walks in the room, whips out his penis, and the woman is already halfway to orgasm, right? And so you're not being yourself. Or let's say you are having penetrative sex and you feel yourself dry up or you feel like you're done or it starts to feel uncomfortable. And instead of stopping that process, maybe taking a break or stopping it completely, you allow your partner to continue penetrating you. You pretend like it's the greatest thing on the planet and you hope that he comes faster so that you are no longer in discomfort. Here's another example of not being yourself and abandoning yourself. 
Here's another example. You're lying down and your partner is going down on you. And instead of enjoying and relaxing and allowing your whole body to melt, you are tensing and you're forcing your body to orgasm faster. You are stressing on how you cannot orgasm fast enough. You're trying to run sexy fantasies in your head to try to turn yourself on. And then maybe you fake an orgasm. So here's another example. You're not being your authentic self. You just abandoned yourself once again because you felt like how you are, how long you take or what you need in that moment is not good enough. Or you don't, you know, for a lot of women, they don't even know what that is. So I find for so many women, they know what they don't want, Mm -hmm. but maybe have a sense of what's possible, but don't know how that looks in practice. So it's really challenging to get there, isn't it? So absolutely. Yeah. And so this is really the process I, I help women to go on is to really figure out. I actually argue that we do know what we want. We're just terrified to, um, to ask for it. And we judge ourselves. We think that what we want or how we want things is wrong or not good enough. Yes. There's that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So we shy away. We, again, we are abandoning ourselves. We're judging ourselves. If we want things slower or we want things more gentle or we want things faster or kinkier or whatever it is for you, everyone is so different. Um, we judge ourselves. Absolutely. And so for women, you know, you, you, you talk about this very common dynamic of maybe um, a woman rushing through things, pushing herself through things because of, um, for all different reasons. So how, what words of wisdom would you share for women where that's a common experience that they might start to create something different? Mm. Well, I would say step one is always awareness. Um, so many of us, this kind of sexual behavior is deeply ingrained in us. And it's a habit we have developed for years and years of being sexual that way, that we don't even realize what's actually going on. Right? For us, it's become the new norm to, to rush, to push, to force, to fake, to pretend. And so step one is trying to become aware of when you are doing this and just pay attention. And it can be a very humbling experience to realize how inauthentic you are and how much you are abandoning yourself in the bedroom. Um, but that would be my first step is just to pay attention. Like when you're moaning, do you really mean it? Or are you moaning because you think it's a sexy thing to do right now? When you get into a certain sexual position, is it because that position feels really great for you? Or are you doing it because you are afraid that your partner will get bored in the other position? When you are rushing for an orgasm, ask yourself, why am I rushing right now? Am I rushing because it's so delicious and I can't wait to experience it? Or am I rushing because I kind of want the sex to be over? Right? In the periods when the sex isn't happening in your relationship, pay attention to how you feel. Are you dreading the next time it has to happen? Are you running those calculations like, okay, we did it four days ago. Now I have three more days to go without it. And then my partner will start getting antsy. So then, blah, 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 right? You're doing this calculation that maybe on the weekend we can try. Or are you feeling relaxed and open and 
connected with your partner, sex or no sex. Hmm. So it's, it's playing this little awareness game with yourself first to see how far away you are from your authentic self. And unfortunately for many people, that distance is very big. Yeah. And it's so common for so many different reasons, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're not alone if you're out there and that sort of resonates for you at all. Because when I was in that place, I always thought I was the only one in the world experiencing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you mind sharing some of the things that you've become aware of for yourself? Mm. Well, just in my when I was in my 20s, just realizing I was just very scared of sex. And mm -hmm. I just was very awkward. I didn't look forward to it. I would do all of those things, just um, rush through it, make the noises, fake the orgasm, mm -hmm. everything just to get over, you know, get it out of the way. Um, go to bed at different times, you know, all those different things that are very common. Yeah. And then just got to the realization of this is really not right. And I was just dreading sex. I remember just before my 29th birthday, I said, if this is sex for the rest of my life, I would literally just take me now. That was what my thoughts were, because it was just mm -hmm. that of an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And that was the catalyst for me going on the journey to sort it, to, to discover what's possible. And like you found Tantra, self-love, all of these wonderful things and never imagined I'd be here 20 years later. So, <laughs> Are there any um, like quick practical changes that you've made immediately that you feel have changed your sex life forever? Quick and practical. Mm, I mean, there's so many. And I think, yeah, I think exploring my body in my terms and discovering what works for my body <laughs> rather than, again, because my self-pleasure patterns, my masturbation patterns followed that pattern as well, just get it over and done with as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there was a way to take time to listen to my body. So I think that's been a massive big thing. Um, and communication you know actually I didn't speak during sex because it was just like you know you look at porn nobody talks do they they just get on with it <laughs> <laughs> and just to actually say I'd love it if you would slow down right now you mm. know just so so yeah lots yeah. I did the one thing that's really been life-changing and I've been sharing it with all my friends um I call it invitation to penetration and what that means that um when I'm about to have sex for the first time with someone, I will tell them about this thing. And that's really my sexual boundary um, every time I have sex. And that means that I get to decide when I'm being penetrated. Yeah. So I tell my partner, look, I will invite you when I'm ready. And that can take five minutes or that can take an hour and a half. Or it may not be invite. You may not be invited at all today because I just don't feel it. And so please do not penetrate me. Not with your tongue, not your fingers, not your penis, not anything goes inside of me until I say I want it. And what that creates is A, it creates a safety for my body to just relax and not be poked and prodded. Because what happens often in male and female sex is Men have been taught that once a woman is wet, that means she's ready. And that's not true. And what they start doing is as you are having sex with a guy, he will start 
and I call it like a peanut jar fingers, he'll start like poking in you and checking you if you're wet enough so he can put his penis inside. And that kind of poking and the rubbing and the checking is so awful. And it puts the pressure on a woman to hurry up and be aroused. And it actually lessens your arousal because now you're being poked and prodded and it doesn't feel very nice. And so my sexual boundary is I will invite you. I will let you know when I'm ready. And until I do, just relax and enjoy. And you don't have to question it. You don't need to wonder. You don't need to test me. I will let you know when I'm ready. And so it also creates a safety for my partner because now he can just enjoy himself and enjoy me and not wonder and not calculate and not go on a search to figure out, can he put it in me or not? And when I share this with friends, everyone's like, wow, that sounds so serious. And I say, well, it doesn't have to be. I can invite you in all kinds of ways. I can scream it at the top of my lungs. Fuck me now. <laughs> I can whisper it. I can take your hand and say, I want you in me. Right. I can say, fuck me. I can say, I want you inside. There's so many different ways you can invite someone in. But that's one practice that's been life changing for me because I've learned to protect my body and that helped me to relax. Yeah. And it also helped me practice a boundary of really staying true to how I feel because sometimes women have sex and they don't want to be penetrated, right? But how many of them know that that's an option, yes. right? Especially when you're with a male partner. Yeah, thank you for naming that. I love that invitation to penetration. Yeah. And for me also, another piece of that is then on penetration to go very slowly for me to guide that. Um, <laughs> and that might oh, be yeah. <laughs> a millimeter at a time. And Absolutely. to pause, you know, I've had uh, tension and prolapse and different things happen inside for me. And they've been real teachers for me to put those boundaries in place. But also what's opened up as possible, what's, what's open from that to be penetrated millimeter by millimeter, to pause, to wait, is just magical oh, <laughs> in a way delicious. yeah absolutely I noticed because you're uh, like likewise we share a mutual love of Diana Richardson oh I was about to mention her <laughs> I am a fangirl <laughs> absolutely me and my partner have just booked on her retreat for next year which is a dream come true after years of um following her work and oh, I'm um... so envious <laughs> that's a dream of mine too yeah the she's in uh, Switzerland yes oh I'm so happy for you yeah so so exciting and you know that's where I learned that from um and putting it in practice it's it's a magical place isn't it what have you experienced from Diana's work I would say if there's one person who's completely changed my life it was Diana Richardson uh, Diana Richardson and the work of Barry Long he writes about lovemaking do you know about him yes yeah 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 he's a cool book He's not with us anymore. No. Um, his books are phenomenal. And to me, that's, that's conscious sexuality. That's pleasurable sex. That is the sex that you will want to have for the rest of your life, even when you're in the same relationship with the same person for decades. That's the kind of sex that fuels your libido, that nourishes your body, that opens your heart. So I recommend if you could read the work of anyone, please read the work of Diana Richardson. 
And there is, um, I always recommend because she has a book for women. She has a book for men that she co-wrote with her partner. And then there is two or three books for couples to read together. And I always give it to all of my clients and I say, look, you have to read the female book, but you also need to read the male book so you can understand the male experience. Because this isn't often talked about, but men are deeply insecure too. Men have their own list of insecurities and fears and anxieties around sexuality. And they also struggle in the bedroom, but we don't talk about that often. Yeah, because they expect they have pressure to perform in a certain way and to behave in a certain way and erections to be a certain way. Yeah. And Tantric Sex for Men is such a brilliant book to read. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I, Diana was, I, she came on the podcast. She was, it, she's, I've got an episode with her, How to Have Conscious Sex. So I'm going check to that out. And she's, oh. yeah, she's, so she, her work's absolutely brilliant. So, so how um, you talk about meaning and purpose during sex. And I really love that you bring this into the conversation. So could you share what meaning and purpose during lovemaking and sex means? to you? Mm, what a good question. It's usually what I ask people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to, to, to give the clarity on what I mean is there is, um, when people think about sex in the modern world, they think of the physical sensations of pleasure and orgasm. Um, but that's just one aspect of sexuality, the physical sensations. Um, I'm more interested in the emotional sensations of sex. What does sex mean to you? What's the purpose of it in your life? How does it improve your life? How does it affect your life? And many people don't really think about that. We don't really understand our intentions around sexuality because I would say you and I are very lucky. We, no one is holding a gun to our head. We're not forced to be, have sex, right? That's a privilege that we as women have in our lives. So we don't have to ever have sex if we don't want to. So why do we do it, right? What's our real intention around it? Are we having it out of obligation and fear that if we aren't sexual, our partner will abandon us? Are we having it out of a way to manipulate our partner to get things from them, money, security, children? Are we doing it just for the physical aspect of it? Are we doing it to receive mental and emotional validation? Are we doing it to escape the everyday monotony and stress of life and just as a stress relief, right? There's so many reasons why we have sex. And some of those reasons are really fear-based and insecurity-based. And some of those reasons are based in love and connection you know for me my sexuality and my sexual partnership is about self-growth and it's about connection it has very little to do with physical pleasure because i can pleasure myself right after we finish this podcast <laughs> so i don't need my partner for the physical sensations but i want my partner for the experience of connection and love and I think that's one big aspect that's deeply forgotten in the modern world. Yeah, absolutely. And why do you feel that is? Great question. Um, 
Wow, that's a very big topic. I think there's many reasons. Um, I think we've really belittled sex to the sensations of instant gratification, right? Everybody's orgasm obsessed. And there is industries that are very much interested in us staying in that place, industries of sex toys, porn industry, um, written erotica industry, um, who profit from us constantly chasing orgasms. And I think human connection is one of the most vulnerable experiences in your life. So naturally we are afraid of it, mm -hmm. right? It's easy to have sex, but it's very hard and it takes work to feel connected. Yeah. Sex is so readily available now. Yeah. And to feel connected in this world where more and more people are vying for our attention, <laughs> whether that's, you know, devices, because all the research shows that people are having sex more. I mean, these surveys don't often talk about the quality of sex. Mm -hmm. They more focus on the frequency of sex, which isn't, a, you know, a great measure. But it does show that sexual encounters are declining mm -hmm. decade on decade. And so that that. Um, place of finding and, and, and like you say that's such a vulnerable place that takes work <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. there's yeah. um there's actually a tab open on my laptop right now with um I don't remember the names of the people but the title is how the sexual revolution does not benefit women right and I want to listen to it I haven't listened to it yet but there's a big part of me that really agrees with it yeah you know, if we think to back in the day, and I, again, I sound like a grandmother, but I'm going to own it. Back in the day, <laughs> what did a man have to do in order to get laid? He had to court a woman for months. And most likely he had to marry her, commit to her before she would have sex with him. And in order to court a woman, you had to be a great guy. You had to be a man of integrity. You had to provide. You had to be respectful. You had to be a gentleman. You had to have good manners, right? To be an interesting man. There was a motivation for men to be high value men because that got them a wife and access to sex. Now, all a man has to do is have a good set of abs and swipe right. Mm. I find that terrifying. And if you don't have sex with a guy on a first date or a second date, there's a big chance that he'll just go and have sex with somebody yeah. else. Yeah. So there's very little safety for women in dating world right now, right? Yeah. There's that pressure to, aside from just being perfect, you also have to be perfect and hypersexual in the bedroom. Because if you're not, the next girl he swipes right on could be. Yeah. Yeah, just pausing on that because it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it, and, I, and I speak to so many women about this, uh, you know, because it is such a big, big, huge thing in the world, how that instant gratification culture, that intensity culture as well, that we want things to be really intense experiences. 
And then also the other the other sort of um, concerning trend that I see at the moment also is all these polarity teachings that are out there. The, have you seen, you know, the very sort of like women should, you know, I read the other day there was one post and it said a woman should trust herself, but should trust her man more. Mm. And, you know, like actually override your feelings if that's not what your partner mm. wants. And some of that that's out there, there's a lot out there. It's a bit wild west, isn't it? <laughs> In terms of how do you find, you know, because sexual, you know, how do you find quality education out there? How do you find what's true when there's so much of you should be this way, that way, the other way? You know, I have the same question. I don't know. I really don't know. I think for a lot of people, it's it's really, uh, you you pick something and you see if it works for you. But the problem is, what if you waste five, 10 years of your life doing it the quote, wrong way? You know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of women, I'm, I'm close to being 40 and I have a lot of, most of my clients are entering their thirties, completely disenchanted with the, let's say the hookup culture and promiscuity and deeply yearning for a family and a committed relationship. And A, being afraid to even admit that because it's not cool, right? Monogamy doesn't seem very cool these days. <laughs> Wanting children doesn't seem very cool. Wanting a husband doesn't seem very trendy. But this is the deep yearning. And they've just spent their 20s or maybe even the beginning of their 30s casually dating, casually sleeping around. And to be honest, it hasn't been of much benefit. Yes, you have some cool stories. Yes, you have some experiences that might be memorable, but that's it. That is it. And so I think a lot of women these days, especially of my age, the ones who are nearing 40 are realizing that casual sex is not that empowering. It can be, but it also could be the absolute opposite. Yeah. So what do you feel sexual empowerment looks like? Mm. <laughs> I have an allergy towards that word. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> Sometimes people say, you empower women. I go, oh, please don't say that. Um, for me, sexual empowerment is knowing yourself, mm -hmm. accepting yourself, and having heart-based sexual connections. So to me, sexual empowerment is emotional, mental, and physical sexual health that comes from a place of love and not from a place of fear and insecurity. Yeah. And unfortunately, so many of us, men included, are having sex out of insecurity and chasing that validation, chasing that high, or running away from our problems. Yeah. And you could be incredibly empowered in a relationship with the same person for decades. Unfortunately, no one talks about that. Yeah, that's why I love. Have you come across Peggy Kleinplatz? No. Ooh, oh, so great. yeah, check out her book. She she was on the podcast earlier called Magnificent Sex: okay. Lessons from Extraordinary Lovers, and she was. Um, in fact, this, the phrase, is the sex life you're having worth wanting, came from a session with her where a client was describing how her sex life was. And Peggy said, Dr. Peggy said, if I had sex like that, I wouldn't want it either. 
and they'd both burst out laughing. Yeah. And this <laughs> this phrase is a sex life you're having worth wanting came from there. And she decided to do some research into what are the optimal um, ingredients for having great sex over a number of years. And she went out and everyone listening, I really recommend this book. It's a brilliant book. And she went went out and did a research project and she interviewed people who'd been having sex for like 50 years and would still describe it as extraordinary. Or it might be the widow of a partner where they had a great sex life. And um, she also interviewed people from, for example, BDSM communities who are having great sex, what they would call extraordinary sex on a long term basis. Mm. And all the components of optimal sex that came through, for example, um, incredible communication or vulnerability, authenticity, risk taking, learning mindset, all of these things. Mm. And it's just brilliant because it just speaks to the fact that we can have great sex in a long term relationship. And, um, you know, which is not the story that we're sold. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I really recommend that. Really recommend that. So thank you. And so how do you see from your vantage point sex and sexuality evolving over the next decade? Oof. You ask very good questions. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to evolve twofold. Um, you know, because I really see it like a pendulum is swinging from one extreme to the other. We went from extreme repression of sexuality. And so naturally the pendulum will swing to the other extreme of sexual expression, free for all, <laughs> right? Free the nipple, free the pussy, free the monogamy, free marriage, free relationships, everything is free, free, free. And we're gonna stew in that for a while. We're gonna play in that space. We are playing in that space right now. And I think we're gonna get to the point where the the truth and the genuine fulfillment is somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. right? It's in that balance. It's in understanding yourself. And um, I always say, please do not compare yourself to anyone, um, especially to me, <laughs> because everybody's on a different sexual journey, right? If a woman just came out of a marriage, let's say she was in a marriage for 20 years and it was quite a sexless marriage, the last thing I'm going to do is recommend for her to enter another long-term relationship, right? So there is no one advice for everybody that fits everybody. You really have to understand where you are, who you are, and what you really want and need, and what would be of service to you in your life right now. Mm. So, so some, oh, sorry. So everybody is in a different place. So some people are on one extreme, the other people are on the other side of the extreme. And I would hope that in the next decade or so, we're going to even out. But the technology is progressing so fast. I know we already have robots that can have sex with you. So who knows? It might be very grim looking (laughs) because we're now getting to the point where you don't even need each other. You have a robot that will have sex with you anytime. And I'm a little afraid that that's going to start replacing human connection completely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and so with that, um, I was was going to ask you. um, No, it's gone. It's gone. Can I ask ask you the same question? What you see happening in the next 10 years? 
Well, like you, when you look at the statistics around the growth of the sex bot industry, mm-hmm. you know, it is really alarming. Um, and, you know, I, I, I share, you know, pretty similar. I feel there's a resurgence of, um, of people who are this sort of hypersexualized world that we live in and how out of balance that is. Um, and I really hope there is a swing to that middle pendulum of, and I think, you know, just like there's a more and more movements of, you know, like it's like the slow sex movement, you could call it more and more people shopping at farmer's markets or, you know, (laughs) yeah, there's more and more people, you know, asking the question of, of what makes for healthy sexuality, you know, what is my, my authentic sexuality? So, I I feel, you know, so I really feel there's a movement of people asking those questions and that, you know, my friend actually, uh, we were talking over the weekend, Nicola Foster, she's a relationship coach and she's gone to do a talk. There's a thing in England called the Sex Lectures and it's a bit like TED Talks for um, sex and it's based in Manchester. It's it's been running a few years. It's fantastic. And she got to do a talk on the merits of boring sex. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> we were talking, but we were talking about this because it's like I feel you know there's a swing of of also of practitioners like questioning what you know really bringing a different way of forward because for many people those pressures to be a certain way to behave a certain way sexually mm-hmm. under the name of sexual liberation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is actually just creating more traps and boxes that people are falling into so I feel these conversations about authenticity and this middle path for me is really exciting so I'm really loving this conversation with you yeah. um, but I also feel there's a lot of work to be done when we are in this um, highly teched world which is pulling people's attention more and more and also the disconnection from from their bodies as well yeah. and how that's playing out so you know Joseph Kramer says the biggest plague we have right now is the plague of disembodiment and 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 you know the people the the the, the attention merchants taking our, our our time so i feel there's a lot of work to be done yeah i was reading the other day um they were saying that our attention span is now less than the attention span of a fish or something like that wow. it used to be 12 seconds and now we're down to eight and of course that's affecting our sex lives too Absolutely. We are so impatient, so impatient. Even now we are impatient with ourselves. I I talk to women, you know, on a daily basis who say, oh, I'm so bored masturbating. It takes forever. And when that happens, you know, the sex toy industry is quick to jump on that bandwagon and say, are you bored? Oh, five minutes is too long for you. Here's a toy that will make you come in 30 seconds. 120 euros, please. Right. And so the, you know, the, the womanizers and the bunny rabbits and all of those sex toys are so quick to further feed into this. And so we're more and more getting disconnected because here you are as a woman, you can have an orgasm in 30 seconds with your womanizer. And then your husband wants to have sex with you. You're like, um, no, thanks. <laughs> right. Disconnection. And we fall into the place where we think sex is boring. And I often joke, I say, I have the most boring sex ever and I love it <laughs> because my sex is peaceful it's peaceful and I can have it for hours on end 
And it's not, I'm not trying to, not doing, you know, Cirque du Soleil acrobatics and I'm not dressing up. I can, but most of the time I don't. It's very, very peaceful and nurturing. But for many people, we view sex as entertainment. And then we want the other person to entertain us. And what do we do with entertainers? We like to change them, right? We change the channel. Yes. Yeah. Today I want you, tomorrow I want him. The day after that, I want those people. Entertain me, entertain me, entertain me. And when I come, I'm gonna go. <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there is a fear of more of that happening and technology is just feeding further and further into it. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw the other day, my friend messaged me, um, the toys that they have now for men. Did you know that? So there is, it's like, a, what do you call it? A flashlight? So yes. you put this thing on your penis, but it's connected to your phone or the television. So it's whatever porn film you're watching on the screen, the toy is mimicking that sensation on your genitals. Who needs a woman now, yeah. <laughs> right? When you can put this toy on your genitals five times a day, should you want to, and you yeah. can change the women on the screen. Yeah. There was an interview with, who said, I think it was Jordan Peterson. I saw a reel. He said, the average 12 year old boy these days has more access to naked women than the most biggest king or leader has ever had in the history of humanity. We have got to realize that that has the effect, that it's not innocent. Yeah. That a 12-year-old boy will see more naked women than any powerful man ever has in his entire life. Yeah. And a woman now has, you know, every shape of a penis of every color and every texture and, you know, it glows in the dark and probably sings to you also <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and so we have our work cut out <laughs> so any yeah. final wisdom to share or anything else you feel alive to complete uh, go to the farmer's market my friends <laughs> <laughs> my partner and I are planning to you know really move into the countryside and and have a cow and chickens and plant our own food. And I think that's, that's a movement that's now very strong for a lot of people. And I would say, find your farmer's market in the bedroom too. Yeah. Find, <laughs> speak <peacefulness>. <laughs> <laughs> something natural and organic <laughs> away from silicone and machine operated devices. Those can be fun, but those are not the path to fulfillment. And it's, it's using them, isn't it, as the, it's part, they can be part of the experience, but it's when they become the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, are, they are a tool. I, I, made the, I made a reel about it the other day. I said, you know, vibrators are like alcohol. You can have a drink once in a while, or you could be drinking yourself every night to sleep. There's a difference there. Yeah. And it's not the fault of the alcohol. It's the intention with which you use it. So if, if you're in a place in your life where sex toys add value, that's wonderful. But if it's your crutch and if you can't orgasm without them, like a lot of men can't orgasm without pornography anymore. We, we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so if 
think these tools are becoming a crutch, then we have a problem. Yeah. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this discussion today and I feel it's going to be a lot of food for thought for people listening. So I really look forward to hearing how people find this, your, you know, what you shared today. And as this is the Sexy Life podcast, I love to finish with what does it mean to live a sexy life for you? Ooh. You are full of wonderful questions. I want to think through this one. I want to say something cheesy, but it's really true. Um, a sexy life is an authentic life. It's, it's doing the work in loving your true self and being your true self and surrounding yourself with people who like you for you exactly as you are. And I think that kind of life is very sexy. People who are enjoying being themselves, I think are the sexiest people on the planet. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. So where can people find you? I'll put all your details in the show notes, mm -hmm. but where are you most active online for people to find you? I'm the most active on Instagram. That's probably a daily thing. And I'm very active on my newsletter. So unfortunately, <laughs> I'm shadow banned on Instagram. So a lot of my content isn't um, visible. Or even if you follow me, you probably will not see me in your feed. Um, and so a lot of the, I think some of the best content I create through my newsletter, and it's free. So just go to my website, theyoniempire.com, sign up and see you in your inbox. Amazing. And I know someone was telling me the other day that if they follow you, you can be starred now as one of their favorite people. So then your content will come up more visibly in their feeds. Oh, I would love that. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think in Instagram, maybe you have like 10 or 20 people you can have as your favorites. So, you know, you have great content on Instagram. You could start your Instagram page and then you will. So it might be something worth sharing in your newsletter as well with your people and um yeah wow to be in the top 10 of some people is wow wow i have to i have to post some naked selfies for that <laughs> <laughs> and you also have an offer of uh, an ebook which sounds amazing so tell tell people about the ebook please i wrote my first book during the pandemic and it's 500 questions for lovers to ask themselves and each other and the book is really meant to build intimacy and to understand one another. Again, like I said, we're all deeply unique. Our partner is not like us. Our ex-partner is not like our partner right now. So the book is really meant to help you get to know each other and ask the right questions because mm -hmm. one of the most horrible questions you can ask someone is, what do you like in the bedroom? And it doesn't take you anywhere. And so I've created 500 questions to help you have fruitful, <laughs> nurturing and deep conversations about sex. Amazing. And there's a discount of... There's, there's a, dis a discount of five euros. It's an ebook. So you'll get it in your inbox immediately within five minutes. It's a PDF. You can print it. You can have it on your phone. So you always have the questions with you. And we're going to do a discount code for all of your listeners. Uh, Sarah Rose. Sarah Rose. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. I'll put that all in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on the same podcast as Diana Richardson. You just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> you just made my day. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.